welcome to tonight's episode of The Epic Pencil, a weekly evening of original fiction, conversations with writers, and more. I'm your host, Chris Watson. Thanks for joining me. By day, Kirsten DiCiapari heads U.S. customer success for a global software company. But nights, weekends, and every sliver in between, she's squeezing in the rest of her life. The Queen of the Earth is a nickname bestowed upon her by her sister in childhood, later became a website to collect the inner ramblings of a busy mind. Kirsten has taken to the stage to co-produce and perform original works in the Providence productions of Listen to Your Mother, and her writing has also been featured on Scary Mommy and on Medium. I had a chance to interview with her, and during that time, we touched on what it's like to grow up with parents who took an interest in our writing, the benefits of having an accountability squad, along with the need to remember to breathe. She also shared a couple of her recent pieces, one of which was a reminiscence of a particular summer's day, and it was a perfect piece to listen to as we approached the end of this long, hot, and very odd summer. Well, hello, Your Majesty, and thank you for joining me. How are you? I'm, I'm very well, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Glad you could be here. My royal subject. There. <laughs> I hope we are worthy. So, so worthy. So I wanted to I wanted to get started because since I, you know since I've known you, which has not been for all that long, but I've I've seen and heard I've read a bunch of your stuff and I've heard you read a bunch of your things and, and you sort of you do a lot of different stuff. How would you categorize what you write? Is it memoir? Is it uh, is it sort of observational with stuff going on now? Is there, do you find yourself writing to a particular category or is it really just kind of whatever inspires you to, you know, put your fingers on the keyboard or pen to paper? It's definitely a stream of consciousness. Uh, I'd love to say that I have a formal style of writing. Um, it's just creative writing. I, I look back and I still have, cause I'm quite the hoarder, uh, the journals and writings from elementary school on. And, and there were, because of whatever the assignment might have been, very different things, short stories, fiction stories, haikus, poems. Um, I like it all. Uh, I'm not good at all of it, but I enjoy any of it. Um, and so it's, it's really not a linear story. I struggle with the ability to write a linear chapter by chapter um, straight through line. I think it's just all over the place and it's whatever is happening sort of in my vision at that moment. It seems that a lot of the writing that you do requires a lot of sort of introspection and self-examination as well as examination of what's going on around you. When you're writing, do you find that it's sort of a process of discovery for yourself that, you know, uh, it's almost therapeutic or um, sort of self-analytical where you're realizing and, and recognizing things through your writing that you hadn't necessarily considered before or, or remembered or put, had context for you know, in the past? I think absolutely. Uh, I think that, you know, it, it starts with vulnerability and, you know, you, you have to be willing to let that happen. I have an opinion about everything. So there's, there's no question that I could start writing about a topic and go down a path that I think I'm going to go down with a very strongly held belief that I believe I have and write confidently and in bold and all caps but oftentimes there's, there's something that emerges that is 
looking for air. There's, there's something there that, um, that wants to emerge. It's not always something I expect. It's not always a direction I was anticipating. And I think that it's, it's really an exciting process, a little bit scary. Um, but I think there's a lot, you know, you have to, you, you have to be willing to be vulnerable. Um, if you cannot, if you want to write about something and you can't relate to it yourself, then it's nothing. And if you can't um, put something of yourself into it, then I think it's hard for the reader or the listener to, to um, connect with it and to be drawn into it and to see it the way you want them to see it or the way they're intended to see it. So it's, it's hard. I'm, I'm sure I'm, I'm fumbling my way through that, but it, there, there is, there's a lot of um, discovery that has happened for me through my writing. And especially when I go back and look at old stuff now, stuff where I can see an evolution in myself. Mm-hmm. Was there an early experience for you when you discovered that language, whether it was written or spoken, um, had power either sort of over you or for you that, you know, that you were able to really connect with either words on a page or, or words that were being said? Well, I think words are, were really big in my house. Very big. My father um, was at the time when I was a kid, a newspaper editor. Um, so, you know, he, he was notorious for taking his red pencil to my early assignments just to make sure I, I mean, there, there are grammatical things that just rise up out of me when I, when I read them now, or when I read someone else's stuff, uh, my mom would drag the word of the day, uh, calendar to the dinner table. And we were constantly being encouraged to, um, up our game. You know, the New York times was, was there on Sundays for the reading, the William Sapphire columns, the all the, the, sty- the articles, and whether it was a style section or, or the op-ed section, um, words, words have meaning. And I, I think something about growing up, um, wh- where and when we did, where we were able to slow down and focus a little more on the words um, and really digest them made a difference. And then it, it influenced my life. My parents were also very, very politically and civically active. So I was at a lot of speeches. I was at a lot of campaign rallies. I was at a lot of events. I was at city council meetings and school board meetings. And I myself would be fighting for things with, with other high school students and, you know, sort of rising up and demanding justice. And so I think that it was so exciting to see that and to feel the energy that came from that and from debate and dialogue, not, not everybody, not an echo chamber of everybody marching in the same direction, but that passion, um, when people believe so strongly about things, um, that they, that they just can't keep it within themselves. And, and that is something I've, I've, I've always sought. I look for that. Um, I definitely tend to throw myself into, uh, conversations even online with people, particularly people I don't agree with, because I do think words have power and have meaning and, and you can do it civilly or you can do it horribly. Um, and, and they, they both have very different outcomes. Mm-hmm. So I grew up with a father who was a writer as well. Um, as you were writing and, and knowing that he was going to have that, that red pen handy, how did that, how did that sort of affect how you would approach your writing then as well as how you approach it now? Uh, well, the, the red pen was more about grammar. It was never about the content or the context. 
although my parents teased me mercilessly because I, for years, would start a lot of pieces with the phrase, something must be done. And then I would <laughs> launch into a, a tirade. So they still say it. They'll just, if I start ranting about something, you know, on, on a holiday or whatnot, you, just, you can hear someone muttering in the background, something must be done. And uh, so, you know, I, I, they, it was, I think that the, the lessons I learned um, through them were very helpful in um, improving the quality of my writing. Um, and I, I think that challenges I have now and the quirks and problems I have with my writing now have nothing to do with that. I, I've gotten extremely lazy and I struggle with handwriting now. I think we've all gotten away from it and it's a beautiful art and I just can't, I can barely scribble my name on a receipt. And so I type and my problem with typing is that my brain is going so much faster than my hands. Um, and I have the privilege and luxury of editing as I go. And that's the problem. So I, so I attempt to edit as I expunge, <laughs> I guess I don't think that, that's the right word, but as I, as I express myself, as I try to get this out I'm tending to stop and pause and cut and paste and move. And that can really disrupt the flow. And it can really um, cause me to actually lose things that would have been gems, things that um, would have been fantastic had they been able to make it to the page and just wait five minutes longer. Um, but they'll slip my mind because I'm so busy perfecting the language and fixing the phrasing and um, cutting words instead of doing it long after I finish um, so that's a challenge for me is to get out of my way, just get it all out and then go back. How has your process evolved over time? I'm, I'm a very messy writer, uh, in that I don't have a process. Um, because it, it kind of comes to me one of two ways, either it, it bursts out of me, um, ugly and messy, you know, kind of like that scene from alien. It just like literally bursts <laughs> out of me. And that's usually an angry rant, um, or it has to be um, coaxed out, and that could be by by a prompt. Um, it could be by the, my accountability squad who forced me to sit in a space and then let it be, um, or a deadline. Deadlines are good. Uh, the The other thing that'll happen for me is invariably, you know, you you have time to reflect um, in the shower. I can't write in the shower, but I will come up with fantastic paragraphs, phrases, essays in the shower um, or driving. Um, I don't get to commute uh, very far because I work from my home. So I miss sometimes that that moment, um, that, that sort of windshield clarity. And so if I'm taking a long drive to New Hampshire, I will find myself completely filled with things I want to express um, and that often gets to the place where I have to press a button on my phone, talk to text, save it in a note, um, same thing, you know, hop out of the shower, press a button on my phone, scribble it down, and then try to go back later and put that somewhere. And those are the only times that I don't edit as I go because I don't have the luxury because of circumstance and I don't want to forget the thought. Uh, and so a, a lot of times those don't get anywhere either. I'll find them later. Lots of notes of beautiful things that could have been things um, that didn't get the attention that they deserved. So I don't, I don't have a sophisticated, uh, formal process. Um, I wish I did. You mentioned your accountability squad. I haven't heard that phrase before. 
Is that something you could talk about? Um, yes, I have a, I have some dear friends, uh, who are, are challenge me, help me challenge myself, um, with regard to my writing. And I was in a, I hadn't written for, for a few years. I have to admit, I've, I've been a little bit stalled in my process. It's, it's been a rough, um, couple of years since November of 2016. Um, and I've writ- literally just been paralyzed. I don't know whether it's been that there's too much to say, or I don't know how to say it, or I'm just so disappointed. Or I, I, there are lots of things, totally different podcasts we could do on that. But I had gotten away from this, which is such a, a big part of me and something that brings me so much joy. And I had just sort of shelved it. And then I whined about it and I hadn't done anything with it. And I kept whining about how I couldn't do anything and I couldn't write. Uh, and I happened to find myself with the time and the space to go to a little writer's group um, workshop in December with a friend of mine. And she and I were joking about how we just have, we could have all the time in the world. You know, we could, I could get up at five o'clock in the morning or I could write at midnight, I suppose. But if I don't have, uh, I don't have the deadline, the, the need, the demand for it, it'll just never get done. Uh, and she said, what if we got together once a month and we just sort of sat here in my house, we could separate out, but we're both here at the same time and we don't have to talk to one another and we just write uh, or edit something else that you've written or we just hold each other accountable because if we make the date, if we put it in our calendar, if we show up for one another, we'll get something done. Not sure what it'll look like, but we'll get something done and we'll you know, vision board this and we'll set our intentions. And I loved that. And I didn't have a reason not to do it. And, and she expanded the group uh, and that's how I met you. And, um, and, and now I think that that, uh, and that started with that. It, it, we'll, we'll sit in a place at the same time and carve out this space where we have to do something with this, whatever it looks like, whether it's drafts, whether it's edits, whether it's trying to sit here and submit for a few hours to places to see if you can get published, whatever that looks like, that you will give a little love, give a little air to this. Um, and that was fantastic. And then of course the world shut down and, and now we, you know, we have a weekly session online and I have to say, I've written more in 16, 17 weeks than I've written in five years. Would you be willing to share one of your pieces? Sure. Yeah, I would love to. Um, I'll actually share one of the pieces I've written uh, since the the lockdown. Uh, and it's uh, a little bit of a, of a homage. It's a little bit of uh, a memory um, of my childhood. I grew up in, in a city in New Jersey. <clears throat> and the weekly prompts that we have can go, you know, kind of, in many different directions. You have no idea where it's going to take you. You have no idea what's going to come out. And I had no idea what I would write until I started to write. But the, the prompt in May was uh, Wisteria and Honeysuckle. And this piece is called City Summers. Summers in the third ward invite me back to afternoons of my youth, enveloped in a sensory montage. The front walkway is ablaze with marigolds, which will one day top the perfect rabbit's salad. Out back, the pale pink roses compete with golden forsythia to be the centerpiece of the verdigris glass and iron table. Cicadas buzz as the sun beats down. A radio announcer narrates an inconsequential baseball game. As the secondhand swing set 
creaks and squeaks a rhythmic beat. There's a faint hum of an electric push mower down the street. Children shriek with glee as a sprinkler catches them in a one-sided game of tag. Ice cream truck bells rattle in the distance. The sweet scent of the wisteria and honeysuckle can't overcome the brief stench of lighter fluid, giving way to the aroma of a mouth-watering feast. The juice of ripe August tomatoes drips off chins, mixing with the buttery steak and the sweetest Jersey corn, drowning paper plates in wicker holders. A warm breeze nudges the curtain in the kitchen window. It won't be dark for hours, but the lightning bugs warm up, ready to cast a glow on toasted marshmallows, sticky fingers, and sun-baked girls. Thanks very much for sharing that piece. That was, that was really wonderful. And I loved how you evoked all of the different senses. I think a lot of times writers will focus on one or two, but that piece brought so many different things out uh, and that just triggered memories of, for example, my grandmother's wicker plate holders. So I uh, really appreciate it. Thanks very much. So. Thank you. I loved, I, I, that one was, was really special. Um, it was such a fun prompt to try to figure out how I would layer it in. And my mother, you know, we had a rose bush in the backyard, these big pink roses, and we had these forsythia bushes and these little lily of the valley. And the more I wrote this piece, just trying to work that prompt in, the more layers upon layers I realized that my childhood summers had. And, and as you said, every single sense I could, I could, as I just laid out the words, you know, who, what, where, you know, taste, smell, touch here, I, I could put 10, 20 things um, down and, and then sort them into the categories where they applied. And I realized, and there were things I could, I left out, but I, I just, it was such a close my eyes and find myself there. And in fact, the picture that I've added with that piece um, because I did put that piece out on medium uh, is of me on my front lawn with the sprinkler uh, in the sprinkler, you know, up my nose. And it's just the, it's the perfect childhood memory. Um, uh, and I, I loved it. It was such a fun piece to write. You mentioned the prompts. Where else do you find inspiration when you are thinking about writing or when all of a sudden you find yourself with a need to write something? What, what inspires you to do that? Oh God, <laughs> what doesn't inspire me? Um, every, everything, uh, life, current events, the view out my window, five seconds on Facebook. I mean, right there, you could just write forever. Uh, my kids, the dog. I, I just think everything is worthy of a blurb. If you, if you put me in a room and said, you have to write about that table, I could write about that table. So uh, there are obviously things that will rise to the surface of importance if you say, well, what do I need to talk about today? Um, you know, there, are, there are plenty of topics to talk about on any given day at any given moment. Um, those aren't always the ones that will bring me joy. They might bring me um, peace getting them out, but um, I, I, I don't have, I think that I'm blessed to think that we have no shortage of inspiration around us. Most writers that I know are voracious readers. Would you say that's true of you? I would say that's true. I think I struggled for a while, like as I mentioned, with my, with my writing, which dovetailed with struggling to find the ability to sit down and focus and read. Um, I certainly 
think about all the writers that I have enjoyed over the years and that actually inspired the stuff that, that I try to write now. Um, the Irma Bombecks, the, the Judith Bjorsts, uh, Dave Barry, Joan Didion. Um, you know, there's, there's just so many out there. Uh, Anne Lamott, uh, the people that I just, just want to be when I grow up, um, the ability to, to articulate the way they do and, and to, to put the, the word to page. So I, I go back to them. I will say similarly to uh, my writing, the, the lockdown, the COVID, this, this paralyzed moment for everyone, for the world, has given me a little bit of space. Uh, weird sleeping patterns have also given me weird time uh, availability that I didn't used to have. So I have found my way back to reading and I have found my way back to writing. And so it's nice to see that those um, kind of come and go together for me. Earlier, you mentioned that you have quirks as you are writing um, in your writing style or, uh, you know, do those apply to habits? Is that something that you recognize now and you keep your eyes out for when it's happening? Or is it something that you realize after the fact and you need to go back in and as you are reviewing and revising, you see that the quirk has reared its its head somewhere and you need to <laughs> you need to adapt whatever you just wrote to perhaps excise it or or revise it. I it's a good question. I think that I'm aware of my quirks and I have decided to live with them. We're we're gonna we're gonna cohabitate um, for <laughs> for the time being. Um, I I shouldn't edit as I go. Um, I'm a perfectionist. I'll spend way too long rewriting an email to you about something that I feel strongly about, um, or even something I don't feel strongly about, but I just want to get the phrasing and the wording proper. So I I definitely could give up a few habits. Um, but I'm so used to them now. I'm I'm so there. I don't find them to be dangerous or damaging. I do find that if I was going to take my writing to the next level, if I was going to say, this is how I'm going to make a living, this is how I'm going to um, raise my family, uh, then, then perhaps I would have to, I would just have to kind of go through a 12-step process to, to purge those things that don't serve me. But we're, we're kind of hanging out right here uh, in this place. And, <laughs> and, and we're, all, we're all, all my personalities. We're making it work. <laughs> now, you, uh, you often post with the hashtag still unpublished. Um, but you've mentioned like Medium and you've published on Scary Mommy and, and you've got a, you know, a blog and stuff. Um, what spurred that on? And do you envision ever you know, giving up that hashtag? Or, or are you just going to... Sort of always be still unpublished in some fashion. Oh, I'm keeping it. Uh, I mean, that's that's it, in my blood now. It's it's part of part of me. I think. Yes, you mentioned. I've had works published. I've I've performed pieces. I, I, I there's you know you could Google my name and there's recordings from Listen to Your Mother or find my stuff on Scary Mommy or Medium. And I, I was remembering that there's a piece in a friend's coffee table book. I I. I I just think that it's, it's kind of a keep you humble thing is what it is. 
Um, it's, it's been a joke among my listen to your mother sisters. It's, it's a reminder that I'm a hobbyist at this. Uh, it's, it's my passion, but it's not my passion project. Um, so most of it lives between my ears and most of it is sort of locked within me and some of it makes its way out. And, and I hope people find it and, and, and find it enjoyable, uh, or consume it. But I just think that it's, it's not something I would ever abandon. It's, you know, if it's, it's your roots, it's where you come from and it's who you are. And I don't know if I would ever want to surrender everything and move over to doing that forever for a living. I think that if my stuff found its way to a publisher, if my stuff found its way to a bookshelf somewhere, it would just be because that's where it belonged, but it wouldn't be that I locked myself in a room with the intention of putting it there. I don't know if that makes sense, but for me, I think I would, I don't think I'd love it as much as I do if I was forced to do it. Um, I think I do it because I love it and I hope it goes somewhere. Would you like to share another piece with us? Sure. I'll read something old, actually. I'm going to share something that I wrote. I think this was 2013. It's, it's on my blog. It's been there forever. And it's something that, ironically, when I started taking my written pieces and categorizing them, after you showed me Scrivener and moved everything, <laughs> I found that one of the funny things is I write the same stuff over and over and over again. So very little changes, I think, except the date. Um, there are themes that I don't think I'll ever abandon, uh, and this is probably one of them. So this piece is called Signs. Maybe it's always been there, and I never noticed it before. But ever since I turned 40, it seems to me that wisdom is all around me. Signs are everywhere, reminding me that I'm on the right path, or the wrong path, or that I'm nowhere near a path. They seem to come at me at just the right moments, signifying that it is more than a coincidence. Yesterday, I got a card in the mail. It wasn't my birthday. I didn't win anything. The most interesting part is that it was to me, from me. Over the summer, I took part in an amazing support group, though the reason is a topic for another post on another day. At the very last meeting, we were encouraged to write a note to ourselves that would arrive at a random time when we least expected it, but maybe when we needed it most. It appeared in my mailbox yesterday, and it couldn't have been a bigger sign if I got hit by a bolt of lightning. What did it say? I think I was fueled by some yogi teabag wisdom when I wrote this. Breathe. Laugh more, smile more, have patience, be clear, follow through, set a good example, breathe, have perspective, love unconditionally, praise often, forgive quickly, breathe. If you know me, given the number of times I have forgotten to breathe over the years, you understand why this bears repeating. A million or so years ago, I was in a class for crazy-ass type A rageaholics or something like that, and the leader suggested that we place little sticker dots around our home to remind us to stop and breathe. My house looked like the sticker dot factory exploded in it. More recently, a dear friend gave me a little sign for my desk that says, 
just breathe. This is a familiar theme. When things are shitty and the outcome looks bleak and everything seems unnecessarily contrary, look for a sign. In my case, it's probably going to remind me to breathe. And frankly, that's not a bad thing for everyone to remember. Thank you very much for sharing that. It's good advice, um, <laughs> especially in, in heated times to not give up the passion or but to, to take that breath and just give it a minute. So that's my like second that. tattoo. Just breathe and still unpublished. <laughs> that's what I'm going to get. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, well, thank you very much for joining me on the Epic Pencil. This has been a great deal of fun. I've really enjoyed chatting with you and hearing your pieces, one of which I had heard before, but the, the, the second one I had not. And, and thank you very much for sharing them. I, I appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This has been a blast. I hope you enjoyed today's interview. You can find Kirsten's work on Scary Mommy and Medium if you're interested in reading more. We'll return to some original writing next week. And until we read again, I hope you find the time to enjoy a great book or two. And please remember to support your local independent bookseller. The content of the Epic Pencil is copyright 2020 by Christopher Watson.